in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking that we could pull, I don't know, Hall of Famer. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. There is nothing more fun than opening an Arena Club slab pack. I mean, it is so much better than any mystery pack that I've ever purchased because there is a focus on transparency. There is a display of available cards. There are hit rates you can get. When you're graded, you're given a rationale. It is the marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, and displaying. Arena Club Slab Packs are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent, with a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. Whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash badmoney. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack, that's $40 right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash badmoney for 10% off your first purchase. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week's Bad With Money Mailbag episode. This is a show about finances and feelings where we don't talk down to you. I'm Gabby Dunn. This week, I am joined by my fiance and co-host, Mal Blum, to react and respond to your messages and emails. Let's get in to it. Yeah. How are you doing, Mal? <laughs> I'm doing great. Uh, how are you? Good. We're we're apart. Not right now, but um, while we're recording, we're apart. Sad. Physically or emotionally? Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. On this week's show, I'm going to read emails and hear voicemails about egg freezing, adoption, Batman, plasma, and prenups. In the second half of the show, I'm going to read so much about landlords. You know, what is this show about? Egg freezing, adoption, Batman, plasma, and prenups. Okay. So here is an email about prenups from Becca. Hey, Gabby, I got married four years ago and getting a prenup didn't seem important. He was in school to become a teacher and I was working for a nonprofit and we didn't have much money. So what would the need be for one? Plus, we loved each other and we would be together forever, right? LOL. 13 months ago, I filed for divorce and realized a prenup would have been helpful. In the settlement, I made sure that bank accounts and 401ks were left alone. He would be responsible for all of his debt and I would get the dog. During the marriage, I managed to save 20K, thanks Stimmy Checks, in hopes of a down payment <laughs> for a house. Stimmy Checks is so funny. Okay. <laughs> we were married in Missouri but lived in Kansas, so we had to follow Kansas's divorce laws, which meant that 20K had to be split evenly. No! Oh. He didn't fight over anything in the settlement, and overall, I came out a little ahead. My situation is unique because overall, the divorce was easy because we rented and didn't have kids, so there wasn't anything to split. Things get more complicated when children, property, vehicles, businesses, etc. are added to the mix. So make sure to CYA. What's that mean? CYA. I don't know. Cover your Count ass. Count your. Cover, cover your, your ass. ass. 
And like also Becca. call your attorney. Call CYA. your attorney. Cover your ass. Call your attorney. Also H-A-G-S. What's that? Have a good summer. <laughs> L-Y-L-A-S. Love you like a sister. Okay. My lawyer had things to include like children, child support, pets. So I feel like she had a checklist, so to say, of things to include. Question. Yeah. How would a prenup have protected this person in this particular instance? Because it's not like it was an inheritance. I think it would just say any savings I've I've saved in my personal account. You can't touch. Ah, okay. Make sure that you ask for pricing from your lawyer. I didn't. And I end up paying $10 for every email response she sent me. Shish. Oh, can I do that? Charge $10 an email. I would love that. Yes. Oh, then I, you know what? That would get me to respond to my emails better. Huh? My sister is getting married soon and she has decided to get a prenup and I'm proud of her for doing it. Getting a prenup seems like you're planning for the worst and takes the fun out of getting married, but you will wish you had agreed upon a plan if anything happens. Thank you for all you do, Becca. I don't know if we will have done uh, the episode with my mom before this comes out, but we are doing a whole episode about prenups or we have done a whole episode about prenups. Uh, so you are covered. Yeah. And I'm sure we will get more emails about this when uh, when that episode comes out. Also, prenups, it's not necessarily that you're planning for divorce. Like anything could happen. An yeah. evil wizard could come and say, if you don't allow me to separate you, a stranger will die. And then what? You're going to say, let the stranger die so that I can stay legally married? Like you can still stay together. You don't have to. But the wizard says. It's like on Love Island when they told Sam and Georgia that they could stay together on the uh, they could both stay on the island, but they had to not be in a couple anymore. And then they That's stayed, right. which was wild. Carolyn Flack came on a boat and separated them. Yeah, it was crazy. And so it's like that. So if they had had a, a Love Island prenup, is this relatable at all to anyone? Probably Sam and Georgia. Probably Sam and Georgia. Okay, here's an email from Fran they he. Hi, Gabby. Listening to this week's episode on parenthood and childcare costs was informative and also so incredibly disheartening. What a nightmare country we live in. My partner and I are both transmask and very much want to parent together, but I know it's going to be expensive. Neither of us ever want to be pregnant. Our plan is to adopt and we're trying not to get overwhelmed by the costs associated with that. I've done extensive research on ethical adoption. My dad was adopted at a time when all adoptions were closed and I saw the trauma that caused. And know that my partner and I will need to prioritize paying for family and individual therapy for our future theoretical kiddo. Most insurance does not cover family therapy. Plus, we want to save for any travel costs to maintain contact with the child's family of origin if that is desired or appropriate. This is all, of course, in addition to the legal fees related to adoption. We live in a place where the state will reimburse up to $10 in legal fees for families who foster to adopt, which we're considering, but also know the foster system often fails families that should be reunited. We're probably going to need to have a minimum of 20K on hand for adoption fees on top of our savings for other things. Also, queer-affirming, pro-choice adoption agencies are few and far between and very in demand, so we're looking at a long wait list, which means we need money ready long before we'll be realistically able to welcome a child. A couple we're friends with went through one of these more liberal agencies, and they had to put some money down four years before they were matched with a kid. On top of legal fees, there's the issue of parental leave. State law where we are says parental leave for adoption is only legally protected if the child is under the age of six. But that same language doesn't appear in federal FMLA, so who knows whether we'll be granted paid leave if we adopt an older child. We're also renters, which means we will be seen as less than ideal prospective adoptive parents until we own a home. And also less than ideal renters. Yeah. That's an idea if you have a family. Right. And then there's the cost of getting wherever we're living up to standards to get our license to foster, which is not huge. Mostly it involves buying lots and lots of child locks, but it still stings a little that it's another hoop to jump through. I know parenthood, especially through adoption, is a privilege and not a right. But planning for all these costs still takes an emotional toll that I don't quite know how to talk about with the people in my life. Anyway, thanks for all you do with the pod. You've really helped me get over some financial fears, even though I am still way behind on saving for retirement. And congrats to you and Mal on your engagement. Thanks, Fran, they, he. Thank you, Fran. Thank you. Yeah, we didn't really get to talk about adoption as much as I wanted to on that episode. So I appreciate you writing in. And for all the thinking and and consideration that you're taking with this. 
it makes me sad that it takes so long for people who seem like they would be great parents to become parents. You know what I mean? But then terrible people just get to be parents for no reason. Yeah. It's um <laughs> but it's good. It's good you're going about things in a very intentional way. Because yes. a lot of things you really gotta think about a lot of things. My mom, who maybe you listeners have met, maybe not, when I was a cis woman, I was dating a cis woman, my mom said, If that girl carries the baby, like make sure to protect yourself. And I was like, Jesus Christ, mom. Right. That's something I think that happens, but not in this case. They're saying that they're they adopting both together. Adopt together, yeah. But um, you have to put a lot of planning and a lot of thought. And I understand getting frustrated with that when when people don't have to do that. Other mm-hmm. people don't have to do that. Oy. Okay, this is an email from Taryn. They them. I loved your episode about Batman and love the podcast in general. My stepdad is a big Batman fan, and I never got it. Also had a thought that instead of Punisher logos, cops and bootlickers should be using the Batman logo to show how fascist they are. The Punisher hates cops and their corruption. Batman is a cop. Abab. All Batman are bastards. My pronouns are they, them, and I love hearing your voice slightly change every few episodes. Makes me smile. Happy transitioning. Wait, Batman's a cop? Batman's not a cop. He works with the cops. He works, doesn't he work with one cop and the other cops hate him? It depends. I think, I think the, the, what they're talking Batman's about. Batman's a billionaire. He's a billionaire. He's not a cop. I think he's technically a cop. No, he's a vigilante. That's like the whole thing. They get mad at, the cops get mad at him because they're like, there's a vigilante running amok. But he likes the cops. He works with the one cop for sure. I, he, I've, listen, I've become a Batman scholar and he genuinely, he generally likes the, the police. Whereas, uh, Punisher. Then why is he doing vigilante justice? To help the police, Mal. Oh, I thought he said he thought they were doing a bad job. He's helping. No, he's just adding. He's helping them. What oh. this person's referring to about the Punisher is that and and trigger warning for for violence against children. But um, no, they I released know. a bunch of footage of the cops sort of lingering outside the Texas school shooting, not doing jack shit. And one of the guys yeah. had the Punisher logo as his phone background. And people were like, oh, oh, that's a thing. People were like, oh, that's rich. But that's that's a thing, though. Cops love the Punisher. And some like neo-fascists, like it's the Punisher for some reason is a thing. And they're not getting, they're not, because they don't understand it. Okay, here is an email <laughs> from Rowan, they, them. Hey, Gabby and Mal, this is my first time writing in. I hope you find this information useful or helpful. I want to tell you about my personal experience donating plasma. I was really shocked listening to the first listener story that you read because it was so different from how I experienced it in 2022. I live in Portland, Oregon for geographical context. I don't want to discredit their story at all. That sounds awful and dehumanizing. Just give my own experience. I started donating plasma a few months ago after seeing an ad saying that you can make up to a grand in your first month. So my first appointment, I go online to register and pick up a time slot in 15 minute increments, show up on time. And they have me answer like 100 questions on a kiosk about medications, travel history, IV drug use, sex habits, etc. It's a lot of info and they care a lot about dicks touching. You still can't donate if you have a penis and have sex with other penis owners. Then they take me back for a short physical. If your penises touch each other. I don't really know. Only? I think I think they're being <laughs> flippant and funny, but yeah. I know. I, yeah, I know. It's 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 usually like yeah, they're very anti-gay sex, but Absolutely. I've never heard of it being specifically a penis touching another penis. And actually, I did not know that was a way you could have sex until right now. We really don't have time to unpack that. I think I think they're talking about anal sex. I think they're talking about gay gay anal sex. But like then oh, again, well, what is okay? You know? This person is not having anal sex correctly. You you have to use the anus. <laughs> you don't just you don't just hit it hit the penises together. I mean, you could do that, but that's a different act. I think. Oh! I don't know what that's called. If anyone knows what that's called, sword you fighting. Sword fighting. Ash. All right. Okay. Then they take me back for a short physical. Weight, which I don't have to look at if I don't want. More medical history. They peek at my arms to make sure I don't have marks from IV drug use and document tattoos, piercings, take my photo, etc. Then they take what's called my hemostat levels, where they make sure my hydration and protein levels are high enough to donate. It's the worst part of the whole process when they have to prick my finger. Crying emoji. LOL, I'm not even kidding though. Then I wait a few more minutes before being called to my donation chair. It's a big room with about 40 or so stations, though I've never been there with more than like 15 other donors. They set me up on the chair, stick an enormous needle in my arm. I think it's a 10 or 12 gauge crying emoji to make sure that it's comfy, no pain or pokes and leave me to get plasma forest, plasma forest. That's the official term. It's fun to say. I highly recommend it. 
The actual donation process takes about 45 minutes for me, but I see it take longer or shorter for others, depending on individual body type. Once I'm done, a plasma technician disconnects me, labels my plasma, and sends me on my way to the tune of somewhere between 50 to 150 dropped in my plasma account, depending on a few different factors. I always know my pay beforehand. That's it? The regular donations take much less time. The first one with the physical takes about three to four hours. From then on, it's only like one and a half hours from the time I enter the door till I leave. Now when I go in, I answer about 30 questions on the kiosk, get my hemostat levels, and then go to the donor chair. That's $150 for an hour and a half. It's pretty good. With a 12-gauge needle in your arm? Yeah. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Everything is more expensive these days when you're running a business and you would be wise to find proven ways to cut costs and boost performance at the same time. The fact that you are able to reduce your IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud is incredible. And the ability to access your cloud financial system from anywhere saves you so much time and stress. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. Managing my finances is incredibly stressful and time-consuming. I'm sure you guys know. You've been with me on this journey. You know how many finance apps I've tried. You know how much they haven't worked for me. And I'm always on the hunt for a finance app that fits my life. And then I tried Monarch. It is so easy to use with powerful features, collaboration tools, intuitive design, personalization, constant product improvements. I really value an app that allows me to do all of this without confusion. And especially important to me is intuitive design and the ability to personalize because clearly finance is not one size fits all. Did you know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce? Monarch, the top rated personal finance app, also has built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Together, you can see all your finances, collaborate on your budget, and get insights on your cash flow and recurring transactions. It's the easiest way to manage your household finances. Are you saving for a down payment, a wedding, a dream vacation? Monarch makes it so easy to help you reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Have you been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, rarely updated? So was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful and ad-free and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Experience a personal finance app that prioritizes the user experience above all else. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. Plus, there's ad-free privacy you can trust. We will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash badmoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. You guys know that I have had allergies for forever. I've had seasonal allergies since I was a kid. It causes pressure in my face, under my eyes. They're my ultimate handbrake. When my nose is plugged up, I feel like I can't do anything. I can't enjoy food because I can't taste it. I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even host the show because my voice sounds like a duck. And listen, 
I am already dealing with vocal strain from testosterone and my voice dropping. I don't need any more problems with allergies. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I've been taking Claritin D for allergies like probably for the last 10 years or something, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can go outside without my eyes watering like a fountain. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped in my throat. I get really embarrassed when I'm sneezing all the time. I have like an itchy nose or throat, like ugh, like just the, the itchiness in the back of your sinuses is like so distracting and so annoying. And I get like pressure in my ears too. It's really painful. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Also, look, the fact that they're called stations and we're like milking people for blood doesn't make me feel great, but okay. Also, everyone that works there is incredibly friendly. Most of the employees are also donors and they are happy to do small talk or not. And it's generally a very welcoming environment. I even got they, them during my intake without asking for it. The staff seems fairly diverse too. Lots of neon hair, a good mix of genders, well, maybe even some gender creative folks, and not overwhelmingly white, though still TBH majority white. I genuinely feel really sad listening to the other listeners' experience because I have such a positive experience when I go. Nobody makes me feel like I'm in a lower part of society because I'm donating, and there's a good time slot system, so no waiting all day. It's definitely the attitude of we're all doing good here. Isn't it nice to get paid for it? Speaking of the pay, we do get paid on a prepaid card that sucks to use. They charge a fee for each transaction except at certain ATMs. They charge a fee? The fee is your blood. They I already know. took their fee. I know. Ugh, that makes me mad. I know. I know. You paid in blood. They paid in blood is another great title for this show. They literally took a pound of flesh. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Okay. <laughs> One withdrawal per donation is free. And also there's a store right next to the donation center I go to that does free withdrawals. The employees volunteered all this info during my first few visits since they're mostly all donors. So they have the hot tips. They thoroughly explained how to use the card in the most efficient way. And the pay is usually about $600 a month where I go. If you go twice a week, which is the legal max plus text bonuses where they literally text you a bonus. It's like, show this text for extra money. The first month, I think I made $800. Also, I was told oh this God. money is like outside tax taxation that you basically don't have to report it in most places. That cannot be true. I don't know. They didn't ask about plasma when I applied for food stamps, but my partner's HUD VASH, Housing for Veterans, does ask about plasma money. I don't know the truth. As far as the load on my body, I don't find it to be bad. I'm a little tired on plasma days, but it doesn't really interfere with my life, especially if I make sure to eat extra those days. I definitely get really hungry after I donate. I'm also fairly active, mostly vegetarian, and somewhat athletic for like body type reference. All in all, it really only takes a couple hours out of my day. I get paid pretty well with good bonuses, and I know I'm genuinely helping people who need plasma medicine, even though I completely disagree with our capitalist medical industrial complex that charges people obscene amounts for life-saving medicine. I'm under no illusion that I'm not contributing to this by selling plasma, but also it's a really decent chunk of cash, and I literally use it to pay my electricity bill. Haha. Here's a link to the National Plasma Center I go to where you can see all their info and stuff. And it's G-R-I-F-O-L-S plasma.com. Oh, also one thing that really sucks about donating plasma, you have to have an address of residence. They will not allow you to donate if you're unhoused, homeless, etc. I was devastated to learn this when I was living in my car years ago and I really could have used the money. Apparently being homeless is basically a high risk activity, which is so discriminatory for so many reasons. Side note, I'd love an episode about finances surrounding homelessness since you're also asking for episode suggestions. I was homeless on and off for five years in a variety of situations and I feel like if someone hasn't been in that situation, it's really difficult to understand the reality of it. Can you tell I have ADHD? I really appreciate the episodes about ADHD and Mal's perspective. Thanks for taking the time to read my story. Sorry it's so long. Feel free to edit for length and clarity if you read this on the show. I will not. I really appreciate all the work you do at Bad With Money. The single biggest thing you've changed for me is I'm no longer shy about talking money. I even had a conversation with a white cis male coworker about how much he spent for his house. Thanks so much for changing lives with your wow. work. Heart, Rowan, they, them. Wow. Right? Interesting. Yeah. I think that they should pay you more. I think they should pay people more if they're going to take their blood for money. Tough stance here from Mal Blum. That's all. I also think that maybe the employees are so friendly because they're vampires. 
And that's also <laughs> that's also why they're dressed very alternatively. It's not because they're in Portland, Oregon. It's because vampires canonically are all bisexual and alternative. And so they're like, welcome to the Blood Center. Thank you so much for your donation. And they're very excited to have, have you there because they're going to drink it. You know, this is honestly why I have you on the show, to be fair. <laughs> um, it's for insights like this. But it's not unethical. For them to it's fine. drink the blood that they're getting from plasma donations? They're not killing anyone. And they didn't say what they were going to use your blood for. You can reasonably assume. You can. I mean, you sold it to them. It's theirs now. Wow. I guess that's true. And they're trying not to kill people anymore. <sighs> okay. Because they want to coexist. It's 2022, for God's sake. Vampires coexist. Coexist. The bumper sticker, but vampire. But the T has little vampire teeth on either side. And a cross. And the T is a little cross. <laughs> <laughs> this is a stupid show. Okay. This is a voicemail. Hey, Gabby. It is Elise. Um, I'm a fan of the show. I heard that you were looking to speak to people about the egg freezing process and their experiences. Um, I actually went through the process of freezing my eggs a little bit earlier this year. Um, at the time, I was 34 living in the Chicago area. So I did a little bit of research. Um, and at the time, my employer, which is a, uh, at the, it was a gaming company um, ostensibly was offering help with fertility coverage. Um, they did not end up chipping in. That's a whole nother story. So I ended up doing it independently um, and with my insurance through healthcare.gov. I ended up paying out of pocket about 4.9K the entire process, which was one cycle. Um, so about, I would say seven weeks total with the lead up and just from first consultation to retrieval ended up being 6.5 K as an out-of-pocket cost. So if you're going in no insurance, it's going to be 6.5 K. If you're going in with insurance like me, it was 4.9. The medication I paid about a grand. Um, and then the actual freezing, um, and storage costs, I'm told is going to be about 800 a year. Hopefully this is helpful for the listeners and anyone who's interested in the process. I'm happy to chat more about it and hope this demystifies it for, for some folks. $800 a year to rent a freezer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I bet, you know, how much, have you looked into how much it is to buy a freezer? <laughs> For the eggs. Hey, you could put a couple other people's eggs in there too. Like, you you know, but $800. I, I think you should start a cooperative egg freezing because $800 a year. I'm holding my eggs in here for free my whole life. <laughs> I don't even want them. I read something the other day. Because I was always like, oh, well, once your period stops, like that's it. But I read a thing the other day that was like, actually... When you go on testosterone and your period stops, you're born with all of the eggs that you're ever going to have. And so it's kind of just like the egg factory shuts down. So they're oh. all in there. So if I go off testosterone, it'll start back up. And I have all the eggs that I had in there whenever I started testosterone. So, okay. What does that mean? <laughs> so then you'll, you'll, you'll just get them back? Yeah. They're, they're in here. If I'm understanding correctly, your fertility goes down as you age because you lose more and more eggs, right? Yeah. And I think that, so I don't know what that would mean for fertility for trans people that have been on testosterone. They used to think that it was diminished, but I actually, given that information, I think- They're saved. Yeah. Saved you know, later. I don't want them. Check out our amazing short film, Grinder Baby, which covers all of this, uh, directed by me, starring Mal Blum, uh, Frameline Festival pick and Frameline voices pick um which means you might be able to watch it on alaska airlines soon and on streaming but i don't know when that's happening but yeah hey guys gabe dunn here i just wanted to let you guys know that i have a patreon at patreon.com slash gabe s dunn and on that patreon i'm going to start doing live hangs with everyone who is a patron so if you want to join the patreon you can get all these episodes ad free videos of our mailbag episodes, extra writing from me, blogs, fiction, other stuff, things that I'm thinking about with regards to money and personal stories, 
And also now live hangs with me on Zoom once a month. So join the Patreon. And if you're not a member of the Discord, hop on over to the Discord. That's free. The link will be in the description. It's so fun. So many of you guys talk over there. It's like truly popping off. Um, And if you're on the Discord, I would love to see you in the live hang. So I get to put a face to a name. So yeah, please join patreon.com slash Gabe S. Dunn and come hang out with me. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a new candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. It would be so much easier if I was looking for someone to help me with sweetening audio or let's say someone to run my merch shop or all the little things that go into running a podcast. Usually something like that would be so slow and overwhelming. And honestly, I wish I had used Indeed and I will use Indeed in the future. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash badwithmoney right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I love to track progress. As you guys know from listening to this show, I'm constantly tracking my progress. What have we done so far in 2024? And spring is in full bloom. Are your finances blooming too? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans like for a car or a home. You can use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. That's right, you can build your credit using your own money. Get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. With a qualifying direct deposit, you can get access to your money sooner. Fee-free overdraft with SpotMe. Overdraft up to $200 without fees with SpotMe when you set up a qualified direct deposit. Just set up a qualifying direct deposit, sign up for SpotMe, and Chime will spot you up to your limit when you make a credit card purchase or cash withdrawal that exceeds your balance. Access 60,000 plus fee-free ATMs. That's more than the top three national banks combined. Easily find one near you with the Chime app. Send and receive money. Use Chime to pay anyone, Chime members or not, and cash out your money fee-free. With Chime's secure credit card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started at Chime.com slash bad money. That's Chime.com slash bad money. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Uh, Me and Mal know so much about this topic because of the work that we've done on my just stellar short film. Speaking of co-ops, this is an email from Kaylee. She, her. Hi, Gabby and Mal. I wanted to write about the topic of housing and landlords. I live in Toronto, which is a notoriously expensive city for housing. I'm totally anti-landlord, but that doesn't mean I don't believe in rental housing. I just believe in removing the profit motive from it. For example, if a rental building has a maintenance or an admin person who is paid a living wage, that's great. That's very different from all the incentives that landlords have to treat tenants badly in order to make profit. In Toronto, one of the major problems is real estate investment trusts. These are conglomerates that buy up apartment buildings purely as investment vehicles and leave them in terrible condition. Unfortunately, many people are invested in REITs as part of larger portfolios like their pension, and they don't even know it. Here in Toronto, you're allowed to evict your tenants or do an above-guideline rent increase, there's otherwise a rent increase cap, if you do major renovations. So the REITs will leave apartment buildings in disrepair until they are completely falling apart and then claim they need to evict people or raise rents to do significant repairs. The process can 
displace hundreds of people at a time and is one of the major reasons I believe we need to remove the profit motive from housing. I believe there are three or four of these that own a huge percentage of the rentals in Toronto. In a potentially hopeless, I don't know, attempt to fight this situation, my friends and I are working to start a housing cooperative. I think this can be a really good solution that gives people agency over their own housing without having to buy a house, and it's great for community building too. There are two major kinds of co-ops to simplify, equity slash limited equity and rental style. The equity type is where you buy into the co-op and you can sell your portion later on. Rental is self-explanatory and is the type we're hoping to create. This requires a big investment at the start, but rents go down as the mortgage gets paid off and your main expense becomes maintenance and repairs. And since it's a rental style, you can leave at any time and the unit can just go to someone else. I think co-ops are such an important part of the rad socialist future and our government should be funding building more of them. Many co-ops in Toronto were funded in the 70s, but their funding is running out and they are struggling to support low-income members who can't pay increased rents. I would love it if you explored co-ops more on the show. One great resource in the U.S. is NASCO Co-ops, N-A-S-C-O Co-ops. Not to overload, but one thing I want to mention is multi-tenant homes or rooming houses. They are illegal in most parts of Toronto, even though the definition of a rooming house is literally just where four or more unrelated people rent rooms and share main spaces. So a lot of student housing and other rentals with roommates. Literally just this year, our city council voted to keep them mostly illegal, which sucks because they are one of the best sources of affordable rental housing. And the ban impacts co-ops as well. Thanks for reading if you got this far, and I'm glad you're exploring this topic on the show. I can't wait to learn more about the situation in and other places, a lab, aka all landlords are bastards. Thanks, Kaylee Sheher. Ooh, ooh. ooh, Andy, Andy from last week. <laughs> gotta put her in. Gotta put Kaylee in touch with Andy from last week. <laughs> Andy um, from last you know, week. It's uh it's the same in New York, I believe, that uh, they can say that they're doing major renovations to evict you. They can also evict you, landlords in New York. Uh, I believe. Uh, for an immediate family member to take your your apartment. What? So sometimes, yes, I believe that that, that was at least the law at one point. So um, landlords will either say they have to do a major renovation or they'll say I'm having an immediate family member move in and then the family member will move in for like a year or however long they're, they have to and then they'll flip it. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Wow. So shady. Here's an email from Samantha. Hi, Gabby and Mal. I heard you discussing landlords in recent episodes of Bad With Money, and I wanted to write in and share my experiences as a landlord and house hacker with you. I would be interested in doing an interview as well if you'd like to have me on the show. Gabby, I've been following your work for a long time since 100 interviews days, and it has been so cool to see your work grow over time. Holy crap, 100 interviews. If you know, you know. I know. When I was 25 and working as a teacher, I purchased a three-bedroom, two-bathroom, single-family home in Jackson, Mississippi. I want to be clear, this was possible because I was extremely privileged to not have student loans, to be going to grad school for free through a state program, and because my parents loaned me around 30 k which I paid back in monthly installments. I moved in along with my roommates from the house I had previously been renting. By charging each of my roommates a reasonable rent, this started in December 2019, and I was charging each of them $350, utilities included. I was able to cover my mortgage and almost all of the utilities for the house. Many people call this house hacking, basically any form of renting out part of your primary residence. This allowed me to save and invest considerably more than I otherwise would have while making 40 to 45K a year. I've since left Jackson and sold my house, but I recently, two weeks ago, closed on another rental property, another single family home. This one is about an hour and a half away from me and is currently occupied by a tenant, and I have a mortgage on this as well. My thoughts on the ethics of being a landlord is that there will always be some people who, for a variety of reasons, choose to rent a home instead of buying one, and that this will be true for as long as the private sector controls the vast majority of housing in the U.S. As long as landlords are maintaining properties well, treating tenants well, and not increasing the rents rapidly, I think rental property investing is an ethically okay investment. There are certainly shitty landlords out there, just like there are people who do unethical things in every sector. I think shitty landlords may be more visible to average people just because there are more interactions with landlords. I've never met an oil company or bank executive in my life, but I've met the landlord or property manager of almost every place I've ever lived. Anyway, just wanted to share my thoughts and I would love to be on the show. Thanks, Samantha. You know... All right. You've convinced me, guys. (laughs) Fine. I'll be a landlord. You guys can stop writing in. I'll just do it. Okay, fine. You know what house hacking reminded me of is girl boss. No, you know, this thing that's been going around called quiet quitting that is really just doing your job. Have you heard about this? No. What is it? 
There's been this like thing going around that's called quiet quitting. And basically what it is, it's like, and there's all these articles being written about it. And it's like millennials and Gen Z are doing this new thing called quiet quitting. And what that is, is where they don't quit their job, but they just only come in nine to five and only do as much work as they're asked for and don't participate in anything. And this eventually leads to them getting fired. And it's just giving their jo- your job the bare minimum. That has given been given a name and been named as a problem called quiet quitting. When in all honesty, it's like doing your job to the level that you are being paid for and not doing anything above your what your pay grade is. And that's that's not a trend. They love to brand things. And like make them sound like problems when it's just literally doing your job. Remember time theft? And yeah, it's like, time theft. I thought up time theft when I was 15 years old working at a grocery store. And I was like, I probably am going to, if I spend a little extra time in the bathroom, I'll get paid a nickel for peeing. Yeah. And that's what we call innovation. Yeah. you. Uh, so you invented time theft. No, I didn't invent it, but I'm just saying it's not a new thing. It's unbelievable. Okay, here's a here's a tweet that I saw about landlords that I wanted to share. Realizing that my landlord is living my paycheck to my paycheck is insane. One time I sent rent later in the evening on the 1st and he complained because the bank overdrafted him on his mortgage payment. The fuck? I am the main breadwinner in my landlord's family. Yikes. I mean, look, we're going to we have another email from a land person, so gear up. Oh man, why do you keep doing this to me? I really don't know. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Gabby. Molly, she, her here. Longtime listener, love the podcast and the addition of Mal's nihilistic self on the show. I have <laughs> thoughts on the topic of landlords. I'm pretty ambivalent on the topic, but also happen to be a land person. I don't know. I'm queer. My labels are weird. Through a long, strange series of events, which includes socioeconomic class mobility through marriage, I moved from struggling to make rent at pretty icky properties to being a rental property owner. This all happened in about two years time, and I am still really trying to figure out my feelings on the matter. While I'd like to believe my spouse and I are pretty good about maintaining our property and treating our renters fairly, i.e. maintaining property, responding to issues quickly, and not raising rent on them after two years, despite high increases in rental market rates in our area, I also don't love the idea of land and property ownership or being a landlord because I've had such shitty rental experiences in the past. On the other hand, owning the property and the marginal income we get from renting has allowed me, a mental health therapist, to offer low-cost sliding scale therapy sessions to a number of queer and neurodivergent clients, which I'm so happy I'm able to do. Happy to answer any questions about this situation. Provide other information that may be helpful if you want to share this email. Thanks for reading Molly Q. Yeah. It's complicated, (sighs) right? Because the two landlords that I've had i like them a lot i know i like them i know they're good good people and but i also understand people who are like you know this is bs so i you know i don't know um but my question uh and this is unrelated is lord gendered landlady but but land lord yeah is i mean lords and ladies okay land i would you know what call yourself a land monarch and see how that feels i bet it feels icky call yourself a land shark a (laughs) When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I uh, used to love that SNL bit, The Land Shark. I don't know. What you you're don't know what I'm about. talking about? Okay, Google it another time. If you're listening, Google The Land Shark. Pretty funny stuff. I don't feel I want to do that. You don't have to do it right now. <laughs> no one's forcing you. Uh, I still don't like landlords, but I appreciate you writing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. You say the stuff. Don't get mad at me. Oh, they can get. 
get mad at me. I don't, you know, like I've had people write in and then when I've been like, I don't like this, they're like, fuck you. Yeah, I can't handle that. I'm far too fragile for that. I mean, it's kind of a strange position to be in where like every day at least four people are like, I hate your guts. And I'm sort of just like, yeah, and I have to just move on. (laughs) It's very unnatural, actually. But like that's kind of, you've always, you've kind of leaned into that. I have to. Otherwise, what's going to happen to me? I'll crumble. Yeah, I'm barely making do like as is. I I can't. (laughs) I can't handle that. Okay. Here is a couple more landlord comments from the Discord, and then there's and then there's a funny landlord voicemail that we'll we'll read, and then I'll. Why are you doing this to me? I know. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. This is from the Discord. My thinking is that no matter your political leanings or ethical beliefs, if you decide to become a landlord as an investment or a side gig, i.e. to make money from a tenant who is not friend or family, it's going to change you. It's a fundamentally exploitative relationship. Unless you've got some serious backstops, that relationship is going to wear away all your noble values. You're just so strongly incentivized to be shitty. Then someone else wrote, my partner and I are at the point where we are legit considering buying a house. Everyone we've worked with so far has been such a tech bro who's into crypto and being a landlord. Anyone with tips on going through the process with people who are not straight cis white bros, we're in Seattle. So if anyone has thoughts, please write in and help that person. Then this person wrote, I agree with a lot of people above. Landlords and rentals are likely a reality and not inherently bad. Being a landlord is a job. You need to put the hours in. But fuck landlords that see it as passive income. And then someone said, What? It is passive income. What is the job? Okay, you have to like maintain the properties. No, that's what a super does. That's what somebody who maintains the properties does. You could have that additionally in addition to being a landlord, but that's not the job of a landlord. Yeah, you're a property manager then as well, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I know someone from college who's a landlord and they posted upset today that their tenants super glued the gaps in the windows to keep drafts out and rip some paint off the windowsills, <laughs> which they declared ruined because they had also taped plastic over the windows. All I could think was how desperate these tenants must have been to keep heat bills down or how poorly insulated the house must be. I think they can afford a can of paint. This is a person I consider to be super liberal and progressive. So I was shocked when I saw she was becoming a landlord as essentially a side gig. And then someone else wrote, I love when landlords out themselves as shitty. Then someone else wrote, I also think there needs to be limits or a ban on investors buying single family homes. This would help first time home buyers and build more stable communities. I just bought a few months ago and didn't realize how good it would feel to have the stability and sense of control. No worrying about being forced to move because your landlord is raising rent or selling your home. In apartments I've lived, people don't get to know each other. You figured everyone would be gone in a year. I'm noticing a huge difference in relationships with neighbors now that we own. Wait a minute. They're saying, oh, in general, Mm -hmm. they're saying if you own the home, there's less turnover. And both. I think there will be less turnover. I also agree. And I like the insight that it creates neighborhood solidarity and it makes people care about where they're living and it makes people like want to invest in getting to know your neighbors. And um, and maybe that could allow you to do some community work together. I don't disagree with that, but I also feel like it is uh, entirely related to geography and class because there's some neighborhoods where people rent their whole lives. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I do think the investor properties are a little more faceless for sure. And now a palate cleanser. Hey, y'all. So I'm just calling to tell you a little story about how my landlord has been screwing me and how I got back at him. So I've put in maintenance request after maintenance request after maintenance request to get a new toilet seat and to get some new air filters because I'm in Florida and it's hot and things get moldy if you don't have the right air conditioning filter and blah, 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 blah. They never respond back to me. I go up to the office. I nana at them. I get nothing. So I noticed that they are upgrading the apartments across the way from me. Still in the same apartment complex, literally just getting upgrades. Well, I noticed that the construction workers don't lock the doors at night. So what I did was invite myself over and I went ahead and stole a brand new toilet seat. And I got a few AC filters just for backup because I know they're never going to come and give me one. At this point, I know straight up they're just ignoring me. So I resorted to theft. I don't know what kind of karma card that's going to give me. Either way, I don't care. I'm sitting on a brand new toilet seat and I've got plenty of air filters to last me through the winter. So just resort to theft. (laughs) Y'all have a great day. Bye. That was the sweetest admission of theft I've ever heard. 
<laughs> I I invited, I invited myself over and I and I and I went ahead and took those those air filters. Now I'm sitting on my toilet seat surrounded by my air filters. It's like so sweet, but like definitely illegal. <laughs> I laughed so hard. I this is so funny. I the part I just want the part where I want my ringtone to be the part that where she says, "On there, I'm just sitting on my new toilet seat." <laughs> I love the, my my favorite part is that she kept calling it getting invited over. I just invite myself over. <laughs> I'm gonna use that. I'm gonna be like, I just invited myself over to the bank, help myself to a couple samples of cash. But uh, I think karmically you're fine. Uh, I did not know that the the landlords were supposed to be providing the air filters. I've been buying our air filters for our oh, rental that we rent. You at. know, I don't. I don't know about that. I, li- I change the air filters in the HVAC and I buy them every time with my money. Well, now you should check in about that or steal. Uh, I, I'm scared. No, see, this is the problem. And our landlord is so nice. I'll just do it. Oh, my God. Well, you are you don't have the cojones of this woman. Definitely not. No. I can tell you that from the first second of this phone call. I, I feel like, okay, I feel like. That is me calling in from an alternate universe. <laughs> oh, where I where I stayed in Florida. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, where I stayed in Florida, yeah. and like that's me calling into my own show. The good thing is that I don't think you'll ever get caught for this. No, I mean you did. You you shouldn't tell other people about it though. But here's you the should thing. stop calling into podcasts and telling them about it. But <laughs> other than that, I don't think you'll get caught because they're doing. It sounds like they're not doing any maintenance in your apartment, and they're so they'll never see it. Yeah, and they're doing renovations on multiple places. How can you, you prove? Know? Also, how can you prove that that to- where that toilet seat came from? You could be like, it's from Home Depot. Yeah. Also, toilet seats are not that expensive. I don't think, which makes this especially funny. I, you know what? I feel like it was it was out of uh, pettiness and spite. The principle, well, and I enjoy it. And it should, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well. Thank you so much to everyone, especially that last person who called in. You can find me every Wednesday morning on AMP on my show, This Week in Gay. It's an app called AMP if you download it. It's a live show. Uh, You can also find my book, Stimulus Wreck, and my old book, Bad With Money, which is not even that old. It's from 2019. But if you want to read more about me and my life, you can read the Bad With Money book. Also, if you want to hear me say more things, uh, there's a Bad With Money audio book, which I read myself. The next episodes that we're having people write in to share their stories about are scams. So I guess like this last caller and also the cost of transitioning. I'm going to just I I really want to do an episode about that. So we're going to. I would love to hear from you. Be sure to email me at GabbyIsBadWithMoney at gmail.com. Leave me a voicemail, confessing to crimes at 844-474-4040. You can also email me a voice memo if you prefer. Join our online communities too. We're on Instagram, Discord, TikTok, Patreon, and Facebook. Links to all of these will be listed in the episode description. Don't forget to listen to the show the day it drops so we can get on the charts and spread the word. Also, leave me a five-star Apple review. Mal, do you have anything to say? Life seems a little easier. When you're sitting on a free toilet seat. (laughs) And Mal, where can people find you? At Mal Blum on all social media. And you can find my music anywhere you listen to music. Okay. Mal's music is really good. All right. Love you guys. Thanks. Bye. Done. Save big on Brunch for Mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.